0: Hello, mech fans, and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Grab a fusion air and join us as we talk Battletech and the latest happenings around the Colorado Battletech community.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Valhalla Club podcast. Uh, I am Matt, uh, newly named the Northman. We've also got online David Cerberus. Hello. Mike the Viking. Alex. Uh, oh, well, we're going to go with Bourbon first because he's got the liquid smooth tones that uh, helped out on throwdown, uh, Thursday night throwdown this week. And then Alex, also known as Porkins. So uh, Alex is our guest this week. And uh, we're just going to kind of have Alex introduce himself. Talk a little bit about uh, maybe what, how he got into Battletech and his favorite mech, his least favorite favorite unit, and uh, whatever Alex wants to talk about to get you guys to know him. So, go ahead, Alex. Howdy, guys.
2: Uh, first off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate uh, you letting me share this with you. Uh, so, my first exposure to Battletech uh, was through PC games, as I think a lot of kind of the mid-millennial generation sort of uh, got into it. Uh, so... Ended by like a Dell computer in like 2000, convinced my dad to buy a game pack that had MechWarrior 3, and at the time, had no idea Battletech was an entire thing, just all I knew was, oh, MechWarrior, this looks cool, shoot robots and stuff. Uh, You know, played multiplayer with friends down the street, you know, uh, stuff like that. MechWarrior 4, then MechWarrior Online, kind of progressed through all that uh, after a little bit of hiatus. Uh, Even got my wife into MechWarrior Online, and then finally discovered the Game of Armor Combat box set in January of 2019. Uh, And, you know, back then I was still using terminology like board game instead of war game, like totally oblivious to the whole war gaming thing, uh, even as recent as three years ago. uh, But uh, got into painting the models and stuff, you know, kind of went down the rabbit hole further and further uh, and joined the Caller Baltic Facebook group. Uh, I think at the time it had about 140 members. This is back in like June of 2019. Uh, Now over double in size, I know. Uh linked up with the local group of players like uh, Damian, John, Hal, Jonathan, Seth, Rob. Uh, a lot of those guys have kind of moved away or, or done other stuff. Uh, and of course, David was a part of that group too. Uh, so learned a lot about Alpha Strike 2, 3D printing, mixed terrain. Now I have uh, way more stuff in my basement Baltic than I should. So <laughs> that's uh, kind of how I got started into it all.
1: Nice. And what what uh, what suits your fancy, Alex? What do you like? What do you dislike? uh that's that's a really tough question. Uh, I i don't want to be too cliche but i don't
2: really i guess like too much or dislike many of the factions i have you know six main paint schemes and all of them are pretty generic like no faction markings at all so i try to be like the kind of i guess ideal op for for any opponent if they want to beat on their you know their their most favorite bad guys i have something that looks at least close enough to what they'd want to kill um uh, in terms of mechs there are a few i do kind of like I, i've always been really partial to the summoner prime uh I think ever since that Mech Warrior 3 intro video, where like a Timberwolf and a Timberwolf slash Madcat and a Summoner slash Thor go running through the city, I think ever since that, I've always been really like that Mech. And also the Orion K, it's like a the little baby Atlas thing. <laughs> Seems really nice. I like having four six movement. So yeah,
1: that, I think that's uh, that's kind of my summary of my likes and whatnot. Nice. Those are good ones. Uh, yeah, I remember that intro. I really like the intro to that, that Mechery game. Uh, it was a good one. That poor Firefly pilot. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. F. <laughs> uh, so uh, what's everyone working on? What's, let's go around the horn and, and uh, talk about what we've been doing lately. I know David's been uh, hard at work printing out stuff and getting stuff ready for an event coming up. So why don't we start with David? So yeah, I've been uh, printing like a
3: madman. Both my printers are going pretty much 24-7 as I have filament. Uh, I am printing out a lot of the table terrain for the November event, and I also managed to actually find time to, I would say, at least prime 16 minis, and I finished two of them, and the others are just sitting in my spray booth, just waiting to get the details put on them. They've got the cockpits painted, but that's uh, that's about it. But, yeah, other than that, I'm just uh, cranking out stuff for the upcoming event. Nice. I mean,
1: primed, you're halfway done. So, yeah, it's all good.
3: Especially with my paint schemes, which are <laughs> primer and details. So, yeah. Uh,
1: let's see. Ben, I know you you uh, threw up a picture today that had a lot of little guys. What have you been working on?
4: Yeah, so I, I got uh, most – no, I got all of my battle armor based. Uh, I'm waiting on – few bases to dry still um about three quarters of them are primed so that's an entire battalion of battle armor and an entire trinary of elementals so that's uh up and running and then uh got some vehicles and some vtols and a couple of Macs that i put together that are primed and recovering from their catastrophe this morning so but, now, why,
1: uh, why so many uh, elementals and battle armor? You, you just uh, going
4: gung-ho? This is what you're going to run at LVO is, is only infantry? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm running everything battle armor. No, I wish I could. That'd be fantastic. But uh, no, a lot of it is just stuff that I bought years ago and I haven't put together. And I was like, well, I got time to do it. Let's, let's, let's make it happen. So I uh, figured it was time to get off the dime and do it. Nice,
1: Mike, how about yourself?
0: Uh, I've done nothing. Over the past month, <laughs> uh, hobby related work's been pretty busy, and then uh, uh, the wife works night shift, so just trying to keep up with the house that's been my main focus. So, no actual uh, hobby progress whatsoever from from me.
4: You've gotten to play you a couple to games, play your first today. classic so. game, right? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I played the, the first hexless classic game that I ever did, but I meant from like a a painting uh perspective. But yeah, no. Uh me and Dave played a uh, uh, Hexless Classic yesterday. We played uh the first two missions um play test and that for the upcoming uh November event and that was an absolute blast. Sounds like you're a fan. Yeah I think it's a good marriage of the two systems. Uh of course there's still some some quirks that I think the original miniature rules is what they call it for uh, for Hexless Classic, um, we we threw in some some house adjustments that I think streamlined it a little bit, but it was it was a lot of fun. And I, like I said, I think the perfect uh, marriage of the two systems.
1: And, and you didn't get d- destroyed by an Aries or anything, right? So there was
0: no Aries on the table, but I did cause three ammo explosions. So <laughs> suck on that. It was unfortunate. <laughs>
3: That was like four thousand BV worth of my total list that exploded.
1: Yes, the ammo explosions in anything related to classic are fantastic and horrible. I
0: agree. Yeah, that's what I've done. Nice. Uh,
1: and Alex, I, I forgot to mention that Alex is down in the Springs, you know, Colorado Springs. Uh, Alex, have you gotten any any printing, painting, games in lately? Yeah, in
2: terms of the hobby progress, um uh, still working on my as the army for the Las Vegas Open coming up in January. Uh, I'm making a 12th Ghost Regiment scheme which is a uh, one of the Draconis Combine sort of yakuza-ish uh, uh, factions or units within the faction. It's kind of a dusky color scheme with like star fields across for with 12 moons on a various moon cycle, but uh almost done, but I keep buying more stuff uh, to tweak the army, so Maybe it'll never be done. I'll end up with like three AS350 armies in the same scheme, by that's time I'm done. <laughs> and also working on some uh, AS350 style terrain for the Battle for Black Earth event, which I'm sure you'll plug later on in the podcast.
1: For sure. Yeah, and and those pictures of uh, what you're painting, Alex, look great. So good job, man. Uh, You've been doing that. Yeah, I guess I should talk about what have I been doing. Well, I, uh, I put together a new campaign that we should be running down in uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but That's been a little bit of work to put that together. It's a little bit different format from the ones I've done previously, so it's a little bit of work. Um, I have primed a whole bunch of minis before it gets too cold here, so I I think I primed like 30 or 35 minis this week, but as far as painting... I uh, was able to play a fun game of uh, trying out kind of the uh, Death from Above Destiny system with the guys up here in Fort Collins this Wednesday. That went pretty fun, except for the fact that my dice, like, somehow Ben dropped off some dice in my dice rack, and, and I was rolling those all night long, and uh, Josh M. up here just just completely blew me off the map. But other than that, it was pretty fun to play Destiny. Um so I've gotten some games in, um, yeah. but as far as painting, not so much. I need to do that here soon because I need to actually think about the events coming up. But that thus is life. Um, That's how the dice first works, man. Yeah, I don't know if, 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 if my dice are like cursed like yours, I, I'm going to have to do something, you know, visit some sort of Indian gravesite or something. I don't know what, but
4: fuck it, a KFC chicken and some rum, man. <laughs>
1: uh ben's drink yeah something like that it sounds like it we'll hear more about that later The the wonder uh so we do have a bit of uh news for the podcast and uh i'm gonna turn it over to dave to talk about that a little bit here you go dave so
3: we uh we came into a official sponsorship with aries games and miniatures and through talking with derek i've had really good dealings with him over the past couple of years uh He's a great dude. He sent me and some of my soldiers, uh, some free minis, uh, when we ordered some BattleTech stuff from him while we were in Kosovo. And you know, he, I reached out to him and we started discussions on, uh, uh, the podcast becoming sponsored and he agreed to it. We, uh, came to some very amicable terms and, uh, we are now officially sponsored by Ares games and miniatures as a result of this sponsorship. He has agreed to send, uh, the Colorado Battletech guys, some free Force Packs for the upcoming event. So a big thank you goes out to uh, to Derek over at Ares Games and Miniatures.
1: Thanks, Dave. Yeah, and, and uh, just speaking for myself, I've only ever had good interactions with, uh, with Ares. I mean, anything that I've ordered, I have it within a week, and it's always been really great, especially for when I'm helping to plan events and I need something kind of at the last minute, and I know other... Other places I I might not be able to find it or I might not be able to get it quickly. So it's always been great to count on Aries and and just invite any of the listeners, you know, if you haven't checked out Aries, you should go check them out. Uh, They've got a lot of Battletech stuff and a lot of just general hobby stuff. But uh, yeah. Sponsored by Aries Games and Minis. Thanks a lot. And now we're going to head over to a little bit of a lore section uh, with Ben to talk a little bit about why we're called the Valhalla Club Podcast because we never actually explained that yet. So take it away, Ben.
4: Anybody that's an old guy like me that knows a lot about the Fourth Succession War and the uh, and the rise of Battletech and the many, many stories behind it, on Solaris 7, there's a bar called Thor's Shield Hall. And uh, it uh, is where a lot of the Solaris crowd hangs out, watching the games and uh, taking part in the, uh, the, the mech battles and the arena battles that go on on Solaris 7. And within Thor's Shield Hall is an exclusive VIP section called the Valhalla Club. And it's usually reserved for the top 15% of the mech warriors on Solaris 7. So uh, that's kind of the, the idea, I think, or the intent behind the name when uh, we started going down this road of the podcast. That's kind of, we had somebody comment a while back saying, what the hell is the Valhalla Club? It has nothing to do with Battletech. Well, it kind of does. So uh, I would encourage you to read a book if you want to know something. That's all I got. I
2: think specifically you can read the Warrior trilogy. Uh I believe that the first time it was mentioned was probably in Warrior On Guard by Michael Stackpole, probably. Um I don't know if anyone has, uh, has uh, any other references of all Club, but it's definitely referencing that that uh that that series.
3: There is also a uh Civil War novel. Uh I'm gonna have to look up the reference where it is a Solaris specific um story about two warriors and Part of the book takes place in the, the Valhalla Club.
4: Yeah, the the Civil War one is the one that kicks off the Civil War. Really, it's a mini Civil War that's fought before the actual FedCom Civil War. Um, I think it's the uh, the second book of the Warrior trilogy, or the first book, um, where it gives a really good detail of what it looks like inside. It's you know, it's all uh, Viking doubt and Norse mythology type stuff with torches and you know long wooden tables and and that kind of stuff so um it's kind of a kind of a cool place to hang out if you're part of that top 15 percent so if you want to uh, it's also
0: Ooh. um i'm sorry um uh, it's yeah. also you'll hear it mentioned uh by good old duncan fisher and mech warrior four mercenaries when you're doing the solaris battles um he'll talk about how he was in uh the 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 valhalla club the other day talking to one of the other warriors and whatnot so that is the uh
4: that's the story behind
1: it yeah because we're obviously the cream of the crop i mean <laughs> just top-notch warriors top-notch best yep. of yep. the best <laughs>
4: that's Top something like
1: security yeah, something like that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we just want to share why we we kind of uh, picked that as. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Mike the Viking had nothing to do with this, but uh, we all agreed on it and like it. So
0: it did sound way better for a podcast title than just send it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, shade, shade.
3: <laughs>
0: so the book
3: that is that we're referencing from the Civil War is Illusions of Victory, written by Lauren Coleman.
4: That's it. That's a good book, great book.
3: It is a really good book if you If you're looking for a uh, Solaris themed book uh, besides the Warrior trilogy, uh, this one is actually very good.
2: Without spoilers, I believe the almost the entirety, if not the entire book, takes place on Solaris seven. it
3: does:
4: Yes, yes, it does, which
3: is a fantastic place. though I don't know if we can really say spoilers for a book that was written twenty two years ago. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, not so much. It's worth the read.
3: It's worth the read. Take the time. Go out and read it. It's a very, very good book for sure. Sorry,
4: not sorry. It ends badly.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this actually connects to a question that Alex asked all of us. So I'll ask it to him. What uh what area era of lore do you like to read? uh Like uh, most people, I have a
2: lot to catch up on. I think I started reading lore uh, in about 2016 before I even got into tabletop, and uh, you know, I've worked through a lot of the classic stuff. You know the the 80s stuff uh the early 90s stuff uh so i'm i haven't gotten too much beyond uh the early civil war uh but i i, I think i find the this probably a little cliche but I, I do find the clan invasion to be some of the most uh interesting to play into the the whole oh man like the clans are here we don't know what they're called the clans yet they're just some crazy forces and all the confusion the inner sphere had during that time i find uh really
1: intriguing Agreed. I really like the the clan invasion for the lore, as far as the lore side goes. Um, but we, we had quite a uh, quite a diversity of opinions here. What else? What else did you guys like the other the other guys?
3: I like Civil War personally. I anything the Fourth Succession War to the Civil War is kind of where I enjoy reading. I haven't read a whole lot of the Dark Age or
0: anything in the Elk Clan era yet. I uh, you, yeah, might yeah, go. Uh, I'm, reading-wise, I I love just reading all of it. I'm kind of all over the place. I am currently reading an Ill-Clan era. I alternate, pretty much, books where I'll read a current Ill-Clan era, and then I'll read um, something back in the Succession Wars, and I just keep bouncing back and forth, Uh, which also has me, like, I'll be two two, three pages deep into a chapter, and I'm constantly flipping back to the uh, beginning of the chapter just to see what the date was.
1: I was, I was uh, about to say, that would be confusing for me. I'd be like, well, of if, course Hans was like on Terra, you know, he was, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but no, uh, reading wise, I just, I love reading all of it. It's all um, great, fun to read. It's actually, I've I've never been a reader growing up. I've always kind of hated it. The Ever since I first got into it with Back in the Clicks days, the Dark Age books, though, um, this was the only type of book or anything that I could actually be focused on and actually like held my attention. Um, and therefore it is still the only universe, anything that I read, period. Um, as for playing, uh, I like around that civil war era, era where, um, everyone inner sphere has a lot more of the clan tech and it's a lot more, e- uh, even, uh, even, tech-wise, but we also got a lot of the cool uh, weapons, you know, ATMs, and all kind, all the other good stuff.
3: Dirty Clanner. Crazy,
1: but not too crazy. Yeah. Uh,
4: how about you, Ben? You know, I'm... You guys all know I'm old, and uh, what what got me into Battletech was reading the first novel that I read, which was Thunder Rift, back when it was, like, first came out. And, uh, <clears throat> you know... Going through, I was addicted to the novels all the way through Endgame pretty much. And then with the whole click text thing and the jihad happening and I stepped away from the game for a few years and then coming back into it, getting caught back up into the Oakland area. I've I've missed a whole gap of Dark Age novels that I'm slowly going back through and reading and I'm not really impressed by them. that's, that's as, far as, I, as far as i'm gonna say on that you don't
1: like so, industrial uh, mechs like as the only <laughs> thing on the field yeah that is you know, blasphemy it's, <laughs> it's
4: not the it's not the industrial in the max i think those are cool but it's just i think that there's definitely a difference in the writing in like the, the how it's portrayed and stuff like that uh with the, some of the dark age novels i think i'm like maybe six or seven in so far right and i'm a i'm a chronological reader so like i started all the way back the first chronological book i could find and and started reading back up so um it just a lot of those dark age novels just don't really hold my attention and it takes me a lot to kind of gut through them a little bit but um yeah i think you know from from a play style wise i mean I grew up as a classic player, and so I, I really enjoy playing classic in the Fourth Succession War and and the Succession War eras. Um, as an Alpha Strike player, I prefer the Civil War era, um, just because of the you get a little bit more stuff. I'm not real comfortable with the Dark Age and the old Clan stuff. There, I mean, there's so much stuff that has come out in that period of the Dark Age and old Clan that, like, I don't even know what some of the battle armor are. I don't know what mechs are, you know, out there. So. I tend to stick with what I know on the on the Alpha Strike side, so Civil War era is where I'm at.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different uh, in the Dark Age lore. <laughs> the books that I've read, I, I agree, are kind of kind of different. I don't know, just the feel of them is different from from all the Succession War stuff and the and the Clan Invasion. So,
4: yeah, it's definitely different. What about you, Matt?
1: Uh, I mean, I I enjoy the Clan Invasion lore. As far as play, I'm pretty flexible, but it's that break between... I, I, it feels like there's definitely a break between Civil War and Jihad. So anything Civil War and before, I love to play. It doesn't, you know, the, especially in Alpha Strike, the, the tech isn't too crazy or anything. And even in Classic, it's really not too bad. But kind of after Jihad and, and after I... I guess if I had more time to really delve and really get deep deeper into the tech and stuff, uh it might be more enjoyable. But um I guess that's just something I need to work on in the future. But but until then, it, it's Civil War and anything before to play. So yeah. I like that. It's all good. Um So yeah, let's so the kind of the main meat of this episode today is we're gonna talk about campaigns. So I think our, our real goal in talking about campaigns is to just to kind of let you know that you can create one or you can play one and, and why you might want to do so and kind of just point out some resources that we've found or that are provided in order to do so. And I'll just kind of speak some from some personal experience real quick, but I think for me campaigns kind of uh, touch they they kind of itch my little I want to be somewhat of an accountant itch I want to deal with, a little bit more with some numbers but I also want my units to like stay yeah, so I get to know them better you know I'm more attached to a particular pilot or, or mech or whatever it may be you know a vehicle squad because they have a name or they've I've upgraded them over time. Uh, also you can get, you know, scenarios that actually mean something rather than just like one-off, you know, go and destroy the other guys or go play King of the Hill for no reason, then it's King of the Hill, uh, where there's more of an objective. Um, and I think, a, a lot of people have asked about, you know, how to do scenarios and, and, uh, if we know how to do them anyway. So I think Ben's going to start us off on kind of like a little bit of a summary on like campaigns and how to start kind of where to start in developing campaigns and playing them. So I'll turn it back
4: over to Ben for a little bit. All right. Um, Yeah. So let's talk about the differences between a scenario and a campaign. Um, When you're looking at something to do with your group or something like that, it depends on what your, your group makeup is and, 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 what you want to get out of it but ideally you should be able to run a scenario in one game session or over a weekend or you know whatever um but the campaign is usually a a link a, a set of linked scenarios that all kind of feed off of each other um and i think a lot of folks when they start looking at campaigns and stuff like that they get a little intimidated or overwhelmed and uh it there's a lot of resources out there for you to uh, really just make what you want or build what you want, or hell use a, use a pre-built one, you know, it really just depends on your group and what you want to get out of it. You know, um, Matt, you can talk about the campaigns you put together.
1: Yeah. So, so, and that kind of relates into time, kind of the types of campaigns in general, you know, you can have it be player versus player or, kind of a player versus gm and and the ones that i've put together uh recently and 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 I'll, I'll say i like up to like oh maybe 3 months ago i had never played in a campaign nor had i ever gm'd a campaign at all so it's something that anyone can do if i can do it then and then anyone really can do it um but uh, i put to, i've put together a couple of uh campaigns that i am I have GM'd, or I'm about to start another one uh, with as a GM, as well as some other ones uh, where it's player versus player, and I just organize it, and then other people play it. Uh, and I think it's it's really interesting to see differences in in the scenarios that I set up in each of these, um, but also kind of the resources that I use. That we'll kind of go through um, talking wise, but it's been really fun. I really enjoy kind of the aspect of of like you get to stick with your units. I always loved like back as a kid playing Nintendo, like the games where you got to keep the guys from mission to mission and you got to upgrade them and you know, they got better or they had special skills or things like that. So that's what I really kind of really attracted me to playing uh, campaigns versus just one-off scenarios. Uh, I know uh, the other guys have played some as well. Um, Alex, what, what kind of, I know you've been running some some longer campaigns down there in the springs with some people. What kind of drew you into doing that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head on a lot of it. Um, but the biggest thing is, uh, like, one, you know, how immersed do you want to get in the lore? You can tell a, a bigger tale, your own narrative within the larger Baltic narrative, or even something totally different, you know, if you want to go off to a planet with, like, bird-like creatures or something. Uh, but you can do all that kind of stuff. And also, like you said, uh, whenever your pilots and your mechs matter from mission to mission, it really really adds to it a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of break it down to three categories. You mentioned a couple there. One is GM-led with multiple player characters. So this is where one GM is kind of running it for a lot of different people and then kind of the modification of adder of a second one i think of as like a gm led with like a single like player so it's kind of uh just one like one gm kind of like running it for one person that's what i've been doing a couple of times recently down here i think that uh what you're referencing earlier about my my activities and then also versus player versus player which could either be you know multiple players versus multiple players or, or one-on-one and they all have a lot of pros and cons uh, i don't know if uh I wrote down some, what I thought were pros and cons of each one of those systems, but that's going to be a lot of me
1: talking. So I can uh, save it for, for later or jump into it. Yeah. We can, we can kind of sum things up as we get uh, towards the end of this, to wrap it up. But um, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a really fun thing and I think the people that I've played with have, have enjoyed it a lot. I mean, it, maybe it's not for everyone, but I've found a lot of people that uh, really like it. And that's yeah, definitely true. Cause you know, it's, the community's grown so much, right? And you oftentimes
2: can't please everyone. Some people want a more casual or, or really immersive narrative experience. Others may want a really competitive experience. Uh, and I think there's lots of tools in the toolbox to fulfill either of those Uh depending upon what you're doing and even mixing them up a little too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like uh, almost all of the resources that Catalyst and and any publishers of BattleTech have put out, they always kind of have this thing in the front they say, you know, pick and choose. This isn't like a you have to do all of this, you know, especially like a big manual like Campaign Ops. It, you know, it directly states that just pick and choose what you want to add to your game, you know, make it a campaign but make it your campaign, don't make it like our campaign. Um so I, I yeah completely agree. It's kind of a a fun thing to kind of uh, modify how you play. Um, I, I the first thing is is like where to start uh, when you think about creating a campaign. So I'll just talk to how I I did recently. I I produced a, or I did a kind of a GM versus players campaign, and uh, I kind of set it up in in the year thirty forty nine, and. There, the players were a mercenary group and they had their units and everything. And then they were fighting this mysterious, you know, this kind of like mercenary force that um, seemed to be supported by some by the Outworld Alliance. And then, as they went through the different scenarios, they learned more information that they were actually being supported by the Draconis Combine. And then, in the last mission, which happened to be the first month of 3050, yes, no foreshadowing whatsoever but uh the as they're kind of chasing this this uh pirate force to their dropship is the last mission all of a sudden these mysterious invaders can't come out and yes it was the clans and everything you know so i i took inspiration from lore um from uh, i forget which the 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 trilogy of books that's the first clan invasion series and uh that was fun because it had it had these, all these little surprises in each of the missions that built up to this big surprise at the end. And so that was really fun for me as a GM, and the players really liked it. But also the scenarios were just, uh, I worked on different scenarios to kind of have a diversity of things. Uh, so I started with the lore and then used different resources to, to kind of fill in the chinks there. Ben, you want to talk about more kind of some of these, the, where to
4: start resources? So, you know, like Matt said, I mean, lore is great because really as a gm you know you're just you're looking for a hook you're looking for something to kind of draw the players in a little bit and get them interested in continuing the campaign um novels are a great place for it um you know just taking a something that wasn't really uh expanded on in the novel line you know and 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 picking it up and going let's just let's just run the entire you know uh Hohiro oh, Corita on uh, Wolcott or uh, or whatever, where he was running a guerrilla campaign until uh, Victor Steiner Davian came and picked him up with the, with the 10th Leering Guards, you know. Um, <clears throat> something like that that you could take and, and play that type of campaign. But if you're looking for something to, you know, kind of build your own mercenary, you know, which let's be honest, I mean, pretty much everybody wants to do that kind of stuff because they want that stuff to be their own. Um, there's a lot of different source books out there that you can get into, especially a lot of the older source books um, from the early days of uh, FASA and FanPro. And, and even even now with CGL, um, you got like your Chaos March source book uh, from back in the day of like 3056, 3057, 3058 timeframe. Um, it's got a lot of stuff in there for for different mercenary units to kind of get involved in stuff. Um, The objective raid source book, uh, which was something from like 3055, I think. It like detailed every single factory and where every weapon was built in the entire inner sphere. Um, I really like those
1: those source books because they have rat tables, which is one of my favorite things is like, then you, you get to, you get this diversity of forces that maybe you don't usually play with, but you get to play with this for this particular campaign. It's really
4: fun. Right, right. I mean, there's a lot of, and there's even the, there's a fan-built uh, Objective Raids 3067, I think, which kind of updates a lot of the stuff from the original Objective Raid. So, um, but also just short stories, like the the shrapnel uh, short stories that are out there, just taking something from there and just kind of expanding on it will help you flesh out your campaign. You know, um, Sarna is a great resource, you know, obviously... Everybody here has used Sarna pretty much at one point or another. (laughs) Um, Just to look for different stuff to to give you ideas about different things. Um, You've got your – I don't know if you want me to get into the pre-building – stuff or the pre-built
1: stuff basically what uh from what i've seen like all all the kind of the rules side or kind of the general stuff is stacked into the sort or the whatever you call campaign ops right so that's kind of the this is everything but then the actual campaigns are a lot of these are are pre-built so they're like you don't really even have to go into the lore you can just kind of pick up this pre-built thing so so ben has a lot of uh a lot of
3: examples of these so go for it ben yeah, You might even so, be a subject matter expert on
4: <laughs>
5: I don't know, maybe turning points Helm? Perhaps. Some, just perhaps. Something.
4: Something. Um, so a lot of your a lot of your pre-built stuff, you know, even even some of the old school stuff, like the FASA scenario packs of like the Grey Death Legion and uh the Kellhounds and the Wolf Dragoons. I mean, a lot of that stuff took place in like the four succession war. So there's some good stuff in there, even just to give you ideas about where to take your take your campaign from. Um a lot of, you know, Matt's mentioned campaign ops a few times. Um, I would say also look at um, the uh, Chaos Campaign rules, which um, is I believe you to just a free download. From yeah, what they, I recall,
1: the, it's a free download, and then the so they even have even scenarios in that. One, whereas in campaign ops, they have the the Chaos Campaign kind of rules, but they don't have the scenarios. So yeah, it's kind of a you could do combo as well. So the yeah, free one is
3: the Chaos Campaign Succession Wars. There are later iterations of the Chaos Campaigns, but you do have to pay for those from Catalyst.
4: Right, right. Yeah, there's I knew there was the original Chaos Campaign and then they came out with the Chaos Campaign Succession Wars. Um and they all have little little scenarios and and, you know, kind of linking campaigns or or linking touch points in them. Um, and then there's, you know, a lot of people don't realize it but uh there's the turning points line, you know. Um and if you ever really dive into the turning points line like I have, um you'll see there's there's 34 different pre built campaigns already ready for you to go. And it spans from the succession wars all the way up to the Oakland era now. Um and a lot of it is And you'll see different names for them, too, because they have, um, they started off with uh, jihad turning points. And that was really the only information we were getting about the jihad was from the turning points before even any of the source books came out. We just knew these turning points were coming out. And holy crap, you know, the Blakis are attacking, you know, Hesperus, too, or the Blakis are going after, uh, you know, Luthien or, or something like that. So they started off with the jihad turning points. Um, there's also historical turning points which usually involve something from the third fourth succession war um even later down in the uh in the uh starly era um which involve usually one planet um one battle on one planet um there's a operational turning points which usually involves multiple worlds. So it's usually a military operation that happens to take multiple worlds. So if you had the jihad turning points, the historical turning points and the operational turning points, and I think at some point CGL decided, you know what, that's just too many, too many things that are, are confusing people. And I think starting about 15 or 16 back, they just said, you know what, everything's a turning point. At this point, we're not going to kind of class them within their eras or class them within anything. So so now starting with turning points Erian, I think it was, um you have just straight turning points and they're like I said, they're pre-built scenarios that are pre-built campaigns for you that you can play your favorite mercenary unit or your favorite, you know, house unit or your favorite clan unit or something like that. So um definitely something to to look into as a s as a resource. I know Matt, you just used my turning point that I wrote um for the uh campaign in a day.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was really cool because since it was already pre-built, all I did and we used it so basically all these as far as I understand, all the turning points and most of this stuff is kind of developed for classic battle tech um play. But I I just basically took this turning points and uh, kind of transformed everything into Alpha Strike, which really wasn't that that hard. It was just kind of changing everything from BV to PV and kind of making it so it at least felt even on each side. But then uh, I took it, and there are basically six missions in that Turning Points, and took four of those that I thought were really representative of the whole campaign and put those into a campaign in a day. So with Alpha Strike, we were able to run those missions faster but still kind of get the feel for them, kind of get uh get the feel for the lore behind it cuz it's based on the the Great Death uh, um uh what's the name of the core? I forget. The Great Death Legion? Uh yeah, no, not, not the Great Death Legion, the core they find. With, oh, the Helm Memory yeah. the Helm Memory Core. Helm Memory Core. Thank you since it's called yes, uh Helm um So, yeah, it's based based around what they're fighting and they find this core and everything. But uh, doing this campaign in a day, these four missions in just one day, uh, they started from basically just their first encounter with the two forces all the way up to the final mission. And I, I really liked it. It really, like, got you into the lore and let you, you know... You've read about this, but now you could actually experience it. So it was really cool. It's kind of a combination of resources. So you've if you really wanted to, you could read the lore books, you know the fiction behind it. But also you can just grab this turning points uh packet, run the missions straight off. You don't have to do anything. It's just two forces and you know, you pick your units and go at it. And so it's all set up and it's really fun. So I really enjoyed it.
3: If we have a brand new player that's just picked up Alpha Strike Commander Edition, or Total Warfare, or just heck, just the intro box set. Where would you guys recommend they start if they want to do a narrative campaign or a narrative? Uh, just pl- sit down, play with their friends. They want to do more than just set up a a map sheet and play. Where 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 should they start? Should they start with a Chaos campaign? Should they start with the Total Warfare? Or should they go into something more like a the turning points, like what Ben suggested? Where do you guys think they should start? Honestly,
1: I, I would say turning points, just because it makes it it's it's all laid out for you. Um, I mean, it, it it references things from the actual manuals from Total Warfare, from you know Battle manual. Oh, the rules are there, but the actual campaign is all set up for you. Uh, it even gives you like the maps you you to use, uh, so it's it's pretty well. I don't, what do you think, Ben or Alex
4: or Mike? Yeah, I mean, Mike, go for it, Alex.
2: Yeah. So uh, my opinion is uh, is none of the above actually. Uh, so all that stuff is really good, um, but I think if someone just picked up a game of Armored Combat box and they've got a few you know skirmish games under the belt, pick up games at local game shop uh, without spending. Well, some of the things you references are free, too. Without spending a dime, they could check out the Death From Above Wargaming uh, system. So, uh, for, for those who don't know, there's a somewhat popular, you know, very pretty big in the community uh, YouTube channel called Death From Above Wargaming that uh, they've been making videos since about 2018, I think, and they have a campaign system that is basically Chaos Campaign Lite. Uh, it's about less than 20 pages long. Uh, and it's it's very clear, easy to read, easy to follow, pretty simple. Uh, both AS Alpha Strike and Classic are for free on their site to download. Um, I've done these quite a bit uh, with some like player versus player campaign once uh, back in 2019 with uh, a friend John who who moved away from the area and recently with Damien as well. Uh, and you can it's not really great for lore wise, but uh, if you want to link games together, you could do that. And if you watch the YouTube videos that they do on Death from Above, you see they kind of build some lore into the stuff as well. Um, you know, GMing can be, you know, a lot of work. I'm sure, uh, you know, Matt, you can attest to this. Any guys at GM can attest. GMing can be quite a bit of work. Uh, and it's a way to keep the energy going if someone's a new player to just dive into that. So that's my dark course uh, offering there is, I'd say, DFA. Uh, direct them there. Let them watch a few videos.
1: It'll build up some energy. Uh, pretty easy to figure out and get going. I like it, Alex. Thanks for bringing it up. I didn't I didn't really uh, think about that. But yeah, I have uh, looked through their kind of their packet, their campaign pack, and I did like it Uh, because it is like you don't have to dive deep into the lore. It is a little bit lore light, but it still is like based in the universe and kind of gives you more than just uh, a one off scenario. So I like that.
0: Mike, any thoughts? Um, I have not put on. A campaign or anything of the sorts um so i am learning all of this from all of you
1: so of the, of the the various things that we've discussed tonight what sounds easier or what would you go for
0: uh it would probably be some time before i try to um, develop a campaign but i've played in well play tested yesterday Dave's uh, scenario setup for the upcoming November event, and it was a lot of fun. I appreciate the um, strategic aspect of damage carrying over and trying to uh, spend uh, support points uh, (SP points) on on that. Um,
3: Which I will freely admit, I stole most of that idea from Chaos Campaign Succession
0: Wars. No, but it was good. It actually it adds such a different level, like. Much deeper strategic element to it, like okay, do I spend the points on trying to repair structure or just armor? Um, but no, I, that was my first time trying to do any type of scenario type thing, and it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to future ones being hosted by all of you fine fellows. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, Dave, if you just if you want to talk about how you kind of, you know, what where you got your inspiration from and how you're developing this thing for the for this event coming up.
3: So my process for developing the November event that's coming up was uh, obviously we talked very, very little about it last month. Uh, The community wanted to have a narrative event. So. Obviously, we're working under the constraint of being able to do it inside of a single day because a multi day event would just probably be too difficult for the community to really get behind at this point. So I looked at the camp, the chaos campaign, and they have a progressive system that they go through for all of their uh, missions and starts off, and the mission tracks, and it starts off with the Meeting engagement track, and then you go to either a breakthrough or a pursuit, then down into a counterattack, assault track, or defense track. So I limited that to where we could complete a, a narrative in three games. So using the Chaos campaign, I just slimmed it down. I went through a little bit of the lore. Uh, I looked at where could I plug and play a scenario that would be not on the main line of the lore, but on a parallel track. And through that, I did started with a little bit of research on Sarna, uh, looking at the map of the Inner Sphere and the Clan invasion between uh, the initial push that the clans made uh and before the beginning of the civil war and i kind of looked on the outskirts of in this case the jade falcon territory and the lyran commonwealth and i found a planet that fit the bill that had a gap in its uh, sarna history and then i used that gap as the basis to write the the narrative that we're going to be playing on the 19th from there it was Figuring out, okay, okay, how do how do the forces get to the planet? What's their objective? And then how do they either get pushed off or win? So I used those three for how I made the narrative. The goal was make it to where it was a symmetrical event because asymmetrical warfare can be a huge pain in the butt, and it tends to lead to players, one side having a great day, the other side getting their butts kicked. So I wanted to make it symmetrical where everybody has the same amount of battle value on each side of the table, and they have a relatively equal chance of winning each scenario to push the story in one direction or another. I guess in summary, I used Chaos Campaign, I used Sarna for the lore, And then I used uh, the Total Warfare manual to kind of give myself that check on rules and different items that we would encounter during the day and trying to decide like what is going to be the best play experience for the players that are going to show up because i I think the most important thing that you have to do if you're planning to run a narrative campaign a narrative event is you have to think about the players and you have to respect the fact that they are committing their time to spend with you to, you know, spend eight hours of their day playing through something that you've written and you don't want to, you don't want to crush them. You don't want to make it so that one side is absolutely going to win. Or one side is absolutely going to lose. Because if you do that, you're going to have people that are going to leave your campaign. You're going to have people that will not want to go up again. And I've been part of campaigns where that happened. And I was that person who found the scenario just very, very one-sided. And it just became just completely... No fun to play.
1: Yeah, I think symmetry is definitely like, as as far as developing campaigns, I think that is the most difficult thing um, that I've found is just like how to um, try to have <laughs> slightly asymmetric things, but then keep it even. It's, it's kind of a, a very difficult thing to balance. So I, I appreciate you kind of making it as equal as possible while still moving through uh, three different scenarios so i i'm really looking forward to that part of it
3: i think if you i think in a gm versus players you can have more asymmetrical warfare because then you're really kind of telling a story and you as a gm you're going to have an objective that you're trying to move your your players into but if you have player versus player i think you have to go with a symmetrical warfare point of view because you want to make sure that you're balancing expectations across both parties.
1: Yeah, I agree. Cause like in, in a GM versus players, then it's like, my purpose was always like, let the players have a good time while like making it challenging for them, but still like, I'm not going to throw up, you know, completely asymmetrical where they're going to have way less than, than the GM would. Cause that, I agree. It wouldn't be fun <laughs> in the end of the day. Um, yeah, jumping on the yeah. G, uh, the asymmetric
2: bandwagon here. Uh, so one thing I've noticed asymmetric scenarios is um, if they're provided, a lot of times, uh, if you adjust them too much, then whatever balance that the creators intended for that scenario will, uh, are very. it's very likely to upset that balance if you modify a scenario too much. Uh, good example of this is the Death from above wargaming system I mentioned earlier, uh, is there's a lot of pretty elaborate house rules that they did and especially like their classic stuff is balanced for succession wars. And whenever you adjust those two things too much, a lot of the asymmetric scenarios get really out of whack whenever ranges are a lot different, uh, things like that. Uh, so yeah, just my fair warning. Uh, asymmetric, I think, can work. So I'll offer a slightly differing opinion from uh, you fine gentlemen on that. But I think you just have to be very careful when you start adjusting it too much.
1: And I, I found that with, uh, actually with the turning points, quite quite a few of the missions are asymmetric. But... They've they've definitely gone through quite a bit of thought and and um, I, I'm assuming quite a bit of play, st- play testing um, because when I've done asymmetric scenarios as a GM, it hasn't been with that. So it hasn't always ended up like I expected. <laughs> um, but yeah, bet, um, maybe Ben, you want to chime in on
4: on kind of thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at like campaign operations where they give you like. I don't, I can't remember what it is. It's like five or six different types of scenarios that you can link together. I mean, a lot of them are very, you know, kind of, kind of wishy-washy. Unless you start really getting into the the playtesting aspect and adding different things to them um, that can enhance them in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, with different special rules just for each scenario, kind of thing, like. It, for example, in, in Helm turning points, um, you know, where the very first scenario, <clears throat> the pre uh, world lead forces start off in the center of the map and they roll a D6 to start off with to determine if they pick up the invaders coming back at them and, or not. And it gives it that element of surprise. So just little little things like that that can add or enhance each scenario to kind of make it a little less stand-up fightish, or you know or a breakthrough scenario that always usually devolves into a stand-up fight you know um i mean you look at even some of the the alpha strike 350 games that that happen those scenarios nine times out of ten you know well i won't say nine times out of ten maybe like seven times out of ten more they uh they just devolve into just who can last outlast the other guy you know and, and not even go after the objectives and stuff like that so it's little objectives you can add in there that kind of can enhance each one of those things
3: yeah mike and i actually ran into that in the uh, testing that we did yesterday uh my original plan was to have two buildings at a cf-75 that the attacker was supposed to destroy but since i was playing the attacker what i realized was that is a whole lot of uh armor to get through to achieve the objective and it just wasn't even feasible for me as the attacker to go after those two objectives because the amount of the time it would take me to do that much damage to two different buildings while trying to defend against the uh, defense forces just would have not worked
0: yeah yeah i don't think you shot at the objective buildings at all for that scenario no it was it was essentially a stand-up fight um, that's what because, it became. yeah that that c f value was was far too high to be attractive as an objective yes. now if my
5: dice hadn't screwed me, I would have probably gone after the objectives, <laughs> uh, but rolling a whole bunch of ones and twos against clan mechs uh didn't turn out very well for my guys, so
4: <laughs> you know it happens yeah and just to just to clarify something that's been said um like with the turning points and stuff like that, I mean, they're not strictly for Classic. Um, they're, in each one of the turning points, it has a breakdown of um, Alpha Strike rules, where to find them, and Classic rules. Really, I think what's geared more towards Classic is the the Chaos Campaign system itself. Um, when you start adding in the War chest points and all that kind of stuff, it kind of gets into real crunchy Classic type stuff. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, going back to that question that <clears throat> where would we, where would I start somebody off on? And I'd say just pay the five or six bucks on, on the cattle's website and download the PDF for one of the turning points. That's probably just the easiest way. If, if you're not creative enough to come up with your own thing, um, that sounds horrible, but, um, some people just aren't, you know, some people just are not, uh, Uh, capable of imagining something unique or new and it's that's probably the easiest way to go sometimes like mike
3: (laughs) (laughs) well it also takes a lot of time and we can't downplay that enough it creating a good campaign takes time it requires you to do the to do the research to do the you have to you're the one that's responsible for making that good you know, experience for your players. So you have to dedicate the time the amount of time that you dedicate to creating this scenario is going to be directly attributable to the amount of enjoyment that your players get out of it. So if if you are just don't have the time to put into it, uh yeah, I would absolutely suggest going with the the turning points or a chaos campaign or something like that where you can just plug and play it and you can just crack it open. Hey, I'm gonna take side A, you take side B, and we we go at it and we see what happens. If you yes. don't like Microsoft Word,
4: just download the PDF like Ben said. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to do. I mean, Matt, how long did you spend creating scenarios for your last campaign you ran?
1: Yeah, so we ran up here in Fort Collins, we ran a five mission campaign and for each scenario, and scenario creation is something else I think we'll talk about in the future, but um, trying to to link each of the scenarios and have this kind of narrative woven in between them while also keeping the scenarios like doable, I mean, it was probably like one to two hours a week, um, but I was consistently thinking about it throughout the weeks that I had that I was developing these things I I mean it is something that like it definitely takes time if you want to develop your own so I that's why I really like you know this what Alex said you know where does a beginner turn to where do we go you know whether it's DFA or these turning points another thing that I really like about campaigns in general but also these pre-bit ones is that you gain experience in optional rules. Because in general, these, these pre-builds, or even when you build your own, you're gonna include some optional rules that are specific to each scenario, and that just increases the experience level of any player, which which I really, really appreciate. I really like kind of player development uh, as well as game development. So um, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I really enjoy about pre-builds is these, these optional rules that,
4: that are added into each scenario yeah and you you really when you look at <clears throat> I know from the turning point side, it's one of those things I always tried to include at least two or three optional rules in there that people could play with um and they were different per scenario just to kind of open up the wider world of like tactical operations or the advanced rules side of things um, um speaking of time, one of the probably one of the funnest campaigns I played in was. I had a group of three guys in Virginia and well me and two others and we did a rotating GM so every every scenario was one GM with a player being the op for and then your mercenary unit kind of thing and then would rotate the next weekend to the next set of guys. So it kind of took a little bit of that weight off of the GM to develop the next scenario, like within a week or two weeks or whatever. Um, So now my turn as a GM, I got three weeks or four weeks to kind of plan it out and figure out, you know, what I want to do with, with the next guy, you know? So that's, that's an option for you as well.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, just to be honest, there's like so many options out there. It's kind of what you want to do. I, but I, I kind of, would caution people that are trying to develop their own campaign especially don't try to go too hard like don't try to add in too many optional rules um because it just becomes too much and especially if players are trying to learn things you're adding in more things every scenario and stuff um so there's just so much out there but you can kind of pick and choose it's not necessary for you to just do everything all at once so um I think also, uh, Ben kind of pointed out that he's kind of had a solo campaign going on for a long time using Megamech. You want to
4: talk about that, Ben? Yeah. Um, I, I think Mech HQ. So when you download Megamech, you usually get Megamech, MechLab, and Mech HQ. And there's not a lot of press out there about MegHQ. Um, not a lot of, I don't know how many people use it. Um, not a lot of statistics on it, but. I started playing, I've got about 3 campaigns going at any given time with using Mech HQ and it's it's pretty solid cuz I mean you just start off you can and it runs off of several different uh rule sets. You can pick and choose what rule set you want to use whether you want to use campaign ops whether you want to use total warfare whether you want to use um I can't even there's a couple of self-designed things in there. But um, you can build out your entire Merc unit, um, organize them however you want to, hire people, um, fight battles against the bot where they actually give you scenarios in Mega Mech that you go out and, you know, the chase scenario or the breakthrough or the stand-up fight or, you know, Star League Cash or there's a lot of different scenarios that the bot will run against you. Um, and then you come back into the Mech HQ piece of it and you're making repairs and you're managing sea bills and you're creating your own mech if you want to um so there's mech hq is a pretty cool option um i think one of the guys in wolfnet was using mech hq to kind of track the uh damage and the repairs and stuff like that for when they were playing a campaign in one of the battalions over there so it's it's something to look at. I I like it just because I can kind of build my own merc unit in it and play against the bot, and I don't have to, you know, listen to you know some rules lawyer yelling at me saying I can't have that or I can't have this kind of thing. You know, it's just
1: anti-social. Yeah. Ben, man, come
2: on, that, man. that's it.
4: I I just don't like people anyway. <laughs> I
2: I want to jump on the mick HQ, but a little bit too. So uh, one of the first things that I I I had the pleasure of taking part of when I got into the community was a. Uh, Damien was a, a local player that was hosting a Tiburan Sons Legion, a mercenary company campaign. in Mega Mech, or correction, Mech HQ was uh, how he was managing all that as well. And um, he's in a local group for the Colorado folks. If you ever want to reach out to him for, for questions, maybe. Sorry, Dam, I just signed you up for a bunch of work, maybe. But uh, my understanding was uh, he would basically have Mech HQ generate missions. Uh, we'd kind of pick from them or pick what plants we wanted to go to execute the mission uh on the tabletop he'd enter all that damage and so forth into it like uh ben said and uh, also manage sea c-build account manage the coffers buy next replace replacement parts uh things like that i it's definitely i think down to very granular detail again like ben said uh I, if you want to do a campaign where you can have a junior tech ruin a mech by failing your repair role but then later go to be like 150 years old and a master technician all in the same game. Uh, that's that's definitely the place you want to be.
3: Uh, I love that description. Yeah, I actually played in that experience Sun campaign when he first started it back in 2017, I think. And it was a lot of fun. Damien put together yeah. a really, really good campaign. Yeah, it was was a great campaign. ton of fun. Definitely. I would have yeah. kept playing with it, but Kosovo. Yeah, I, remember I remember
2: I came in as like a corporal in the campaign or something, and I'm pretty sure you were like lieutenant or captain at the time, the Suns Legion. At had a crappy dragon one in, Ugh. which is not a super great, super fun mech. <laughs> no. So yeah, that was a fun campaign. Better than the sure. hunchback I started in. <laughs> oh, I take a hunchback any day. You got some real firepower at least. <laughs>
1: And if I remember correctly, Damien just, I'm not sure if they just finished or they're still running it, but he was running a campaign on Megamech where each player would come in and just control one unit. It was, the whole thing was just done on Megamech, the actual uh, scenario was done on Megamech, and then he would, I'm not sure if he ported the the information between Megamech and Mech, Mech HQ or whatever, but uh, so you could run an entire Multiplayer campaign in Mega Mega Mech or Mech Mech HQ, whichever. So that's another option as well. A lot of options out there. I believe it was called Chaucer's. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it was. Um, so I I guess we've kind of babbled on about all this stuff, but maybe we'll just kind of summarize. Uh, there's a lot of options, but there's a lot of resources, uh, and it can be as complicated or not you know as easy as you want it to be there are pre there you can take the lore and make your own there's lots of resources including campaign ops the chaos campaign system there's ways to play you know like on mega mech or mech, mech, mech hq uh there's lots of ways to do it but maybe we'll just kind of summarize why we would play a campaign you know what are the benefits What what do you think are good maybe we'll start with alex our guest
2: yeah sure thing so um so I'm, I'm thinking about the community, how it's been growing a lot recently, and there are a lot of a lot of people come to Baltic for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but I think one of the things that's been growing the community a lot is the the tournament scene. Which, yeah, I'm going off the rails here a little. Just bear me with me. You know, I'm coming back to campaigns. Trust me. But Thurman's scene right now is thriving right now. You know, You got groups like Wolf Radio Podcast with AS350, the Baltic Champion Circuit. You know, we have competitive local events in our local Colorado area, and all that stuff is all. Super great and super awesome, but what about the people who don't really like the the more competitive side of it, the tournament scene and whatnot, and want to do something more casual and narrative? Or or what if the meta becomes stable in the tournament scene? You know, Baltech isn't known for, you know, a lot of really big balance updates to keep stuff uh fresh. You know, that's one of the strengths of a system actually is that it is more stable, in my opinion. But that's the why campaigns I say, it's gives you something that you can do uh, outside of the competitive that you can either you know get together some good friends you like playing with, and you can all dive into a narrative together and have a great story to all share and talk about, or you can just chain a few of those games together and uh you know you find some of your favorite few guys you like playing with a lot and start up uh, a DFA style campaign just so you have some a little more into it than just your average pickup game so that's why I would say go with camp go try some campaign stuff out don't set too high a goal for yourself you know you can just uh, keep it simple in the beginning, and and see where it goes from there.
1: Awesome. Uh, any any other thought, Ben? Maybe uh, you want to talk about why you would or would not play campaigns.
4: Yeah, I mean, campaigns are to me is like the meat and potatoes of of why I got into battle It's about the lore. It's about the you know the, the the imagination of of you running your own unit kind of thing. Um, that's that's really what I always enjoyed about Battletech is just the the campaign scene, really, and play on a regular basis doing stuff instead of just the standard every week we get together and just shoot each other for no particular uh, draw, you know, other than shooting at each other. So, I think campaigns are great, and everybody should try something at least once.
1: Yeah, I agree. David, Mike, any thoughts?
3: So, I mean, the basis of the battletech game was for narrative play. so while yes, we do like like people like me, i i enjoy the competitive scene, but the competitive scene does get old, it can get you burnt out a little bit. narrative campaigns really get you back to what the core of the game is. so i would say absolutely try out a uh, a narrative campaign or just a narrative uh, linking of scenarios it it builds some ownership in the unit and the your own personal lore for you know the things that we're spending money on so obviously we want to we want to do things with our you know pile of shame and our pile of miniatures and when you go into a game where you have a little bit of skin in the battle it makes it more engaging and more fun than a pickup game because you have to, you have to really care about. You know, is your unit going to survive this encounter? Are they going to be able to fight in the next one? And I think that adds a little bit level of of good stress to a player that makes it uh, makes it a lot more fun. Mike, it
1: sounds like you had some similar comments there as far as like making it matter for units.
0: Yeah, like um, so, like I mentioned. Um... Yesterday was the first time I played in a scenario type base slice mini campaign, uh, where everything carried over from mission to mission, and the new like well new to me thought process of oh because I'm I'm used to just you know pickup games where it's just like well if it dies it dies but now it's like I need to not let this guy die so that I can repair him and use him in the next battle, Um, and as a individual that super appreciates and loves all the novels and lore. um, It just it, it feels like I'm writing my own book in that process uh, from from the game, Um, which is another, another thing I love love about it. Um, But yeah, it's it's a whole new strategic element. And as an individual that has always loved strategic games, I full like, yeah, I want more of it. It's just the the downside to long, long, long running campaigns is the, the time requirement. Uh, Depending on your job, it can be difficult uh, to, to commit to something like that. But um, no, I, uh, I definitely want to try more, more of more campaigns and participate more.
1: Yeah. I I completely agree with, uh, especially those last thoughts there is, is when it, when it matters, if I lose a unit or not, I mean, I need to keep like my lights alive so that if I have a, in the future, if I have a scouting mission, I can have something that moves more than six inches at a time. So it really matters uh, in, a, in a strategic sense, you know, in a logistic sense that I keep things alive, that I am more cautious with them, but I still have to accomplish the the scenarios and things like that. So really appreciate campaigns. Some people might say, just send it. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so that's kind of our wrap on campaigns. And now I'm going to take a break. (laughs) Well, if we're taking a break, maybe we could include a
2: segment about uh, where to find all these resources. I'm not sure we hit it all uh, on on everything. Um, Yeah. Did we?
3: When you're talking about places to find all these resources that we've gone over in today's episode, uh, obviously, the first stop is going to be the Catalyst website. You can order your either a PDF version or the uh, the actual physical book. Your uh, local game stores should also have some of these books in stock. If not, they can order them for you. Uh, but the books that we've gone over today have been the Alpha Strike Commander's Edition, which is a pretty good all-encompassing rulebook for the Alpha Strike game set. Uh, the Battletech Total Warfare, which has a small section on scenarios in it, and that is going to be your core classic rulebook. Uh, you also have the Battle Mech Manual, the Tech Manual, and then you get into more of the crunchy books like Campaign Operations, Strategic Operations, if you're looking for a a really in-depth experience uh additionally you have what alex was talking about with the death from above wargaming website they have their resources available for free download on on their site uh, as well as a lot of videos of how to play their their game system uh alex do you want to add anything on the death from above since i know you're probably the most familiar with it as far as how to get their resources
2: Uh, i think you pretty much covered it david but yeah uh Just again, the warning, just keep in mind, the videos, they use a lot of house rules that are not quite out of the book. And most scenarios work fine without the house rules, uh, with maybe a little tweaking. Uh, And they also have some Destiny rules as well, but that's uh, for their Patreon members only. But Alpha Strike and Classic, free for all.
3: Uh, You bring up a good point. Uh, There are two RPG uh, books as well. You have the Battletech Destiny and A Time of War. So both of those are more RPG specific books, and yeah, I don't, i got nothing on those. So. Anybody know anything about Destiny or Time of War?
2: Yeah, I've played it once before. Uh, Destiny on a on a on a map uh, map sheets versus the more abstract combat system, and it worked out okay. Um, it's interesting. I know a few other groups around here are playing it. That's probably a topic for another day. That's that's a whole nother can of worms, definitely to get into.
0: If I remember correctly, they should be, uh, I think they recently announced that they're going to be re-releasing a Time of War with soon? It's actually
3: out now. The uh, PDF is, at least. So oh, okay. they, I saw a post today on Facebook, I believe it was Battletech International, that the Time of War rewrite PDF has been released. Uh, there is not a date yet for the Time of War physical copy. And now we'll turn it over to Dave for
1: the old bat reps from Around the Sphere. Here you go, Dave.
5: Welcome to the Battle Report. We begin tonight's broadcast with the conclusion of the Acer Guard Campaign. The Guard disengaged from the last ambush and was able to break contact with the unmasked forces of the Draconis Combine. Commander Rick consolidated his company on the edge of the capital of Marianas V. Ahead of him, the Royal Family, under guard by MLF and Combine forces, and his salvation, a Union dropship. As the Guard moved into the city, the full company met light resistance and dispatched the MLF Lance, with relatively low return damage. This was a bittersweet victory because the Acer Guard was able to take revenge on the commander of the opening engagement, Captain Winston, but were reminded of the losses they had taken along the way. Having destroyed the Lance guarding the city outskirts, local partisans began to strike out at Combine soldiers lying in wait within the confines of the city streets. The enemy Charlie Lance attempted to defend the palace grounds with a two hundred and fifteen ton force consisting of a rifleman, wolverine, centurion, and hunchback. The Acer Guard, feeling the fires of revenge in their veins, broke the lance and pushed deeper into the city. A lone urban mech stood guard at the palace gates. While it put up the best defense it could, the pilot eventually was seen crawling away from his shattered machine to disappear into the shadows of the city. The forces of the Acer Guard, having recovered the royal family, were joined by the royal prince in his freshly started warhammer. The combined forces were moving to the dropship when another lance of MLF heavy mechs set on an intercept course, attempted to stop the mercenaries from achieving freedom. This lance, however, was not the rank and file of the MLF forces. This lance was conned by the commander of the MLF, Colonel Guevara, in his thunderbolt. The Colonel's lance closed fast and the Acermex took defensive positions using the buildings as cover. Laser and PPC fire lit the space between the buildings as LRM fire from a Griffin and longbow rained down on the mercenaries. However, Rick and his mercenaries were able to gain momentum through the concentrated fire that all but melted the light escorts of Colonel Guevara's forces. A skillfully aimed shot dispatched the Thunderbolt and the Colonel into the fondness of memory. Having lost their commanding officer, the MLF forces broke and began retreating from the smoking, damage-riddled mechs of the Acer Guard, several of which moved with the jerky signs of severe actuator damage, and more than a few with the blackened remains of weapon mounts and limbs visibly missing from the mechs. The guard boarded the dropship and burned for Atmo as soon as they were loaded, heading on the long trip to the jump point and their silent, waiting jumpship. Will the damage to the Acer guard be too catastrophic for them to recover? See what is in store next month. Moving on to some lighthearted news from the training grounds of New Avalon, where the instructors are hard at work producing new mech warriors and commanders. Using captured clan mechs, the cadre of the mech warrior trainees taught the young brash warriors what they would be facing outside of the school. Instructors took to the field and captured Nova Cat and Snow Raven mechs while the students were regulated to Capellan and decommissioned mercenary units. After the training was complete, the cadre set to dressing down the young warriors and put them to work polishing the cracks between the armor plates of the commander's mech. One student told reporters, It wasn't a fair fight. Right before a wrench was hurled through the air, impacting the student in the neck. Followed by a loud, What was that? from across the hangar. When the reporter turned back, the student had left the area. Finally, we end our news with a cautionary tale of a doomed, unnamed mercenary force. The mercs descended on a night raid, into a city bathed in ultraviolet light. The buildings glowed with an eerie purple-blue. The mercs cautiously approached the edge of the city, knowing only that a pirate force had occupied the concrete jungle in front of them, and that the force was roughly equal in strength to their own. Then it all went wrong. The mercs' first mistake was not asking for more intel. Then they would have known that they were not the hunters. They were the hunted. The pirate force was none other than Urbopocalypse, commanded by the nefarious and sadistic Mike Gazebo. Gazebo is known to have a love of the filthy underworld and a predilection for urban mechs. In front of the mercs, lying in wait, was an entire company of trash cans armed for war. The battle turned from bad to worse as the first of the eight mercenary mechs fell to the combined fire of an Irby Artillery Lance. The Wolverine did not even have time to eject. It simply ceased to exist. The last to fall in the cyclone of destructive wastebins was an archer and what could only be identified after the battle as a Wolverine. The victory was absolute. The carnage. Undeniable. The defeat total stay tuned mech warriors for more news next month on the battle report here at the valhalla club tonight's battle reports were brought to you by alex and rick max kitbash and mike gazebo stay safe out there mech warriors
1: And now we're gonna go over to bourbon for the brew of the month.
4: Take it away, Ben. Hey all, this is Ben here, your Battletech Master Spirits. Get your mixers, liquors, shakers, stirs, and strainers ready as we cover this month's Battletech Drink of the Month. Drink of the Month as the newly designated Master of Spirits for the Battletech universe, I guess. Um, so this month uh, I I chose the uh, to go down the PPC route. And uh, let me tell you, PPC is not something that you want to have on a regular basis. Um, this month is the Davian PPC Capellan March. Okay, so there's a Davian PPC, I think I talked about on the first episode, that is... Uh, Four parts grain alcohol and two parts of bourbon, which, okay, I'll take that. Um, The Capellan March version is four parts grain alcohol and two parts tequila, okay? Um, I gotta be honest, it's terrible. It's not that good. I'm not a tequila guy anyway, but... um, the uh, the grain alcohol I'm using is uh, some some Appalachian uh, White Lightning that I I brought with me, um, and I've determined that I'm just going to do them as shots, and that's as far as I'm going to go because anything more than that, you're you're putting a hurt on yourself. Ride the lightning. Now, Alex, did, yeah, Alex, did, the, did you try to try that?
3: I have tried a full PPC, and it is the absolute most disgusting thing that I've ever paid for. and i think the uh the bartender at top
4: golf thought i was crazy more than likely more than likely
2: (laughs) yeah i try to join ben in solidarity here and have a uh ppc uh capellon ppc as well Uh, i'll be honest you know my uh my grain alcohol days are probably well beyond me now so call me wuss if you want but i subbed out vodka instead and didn't really improve it too much. Uh, I had to wuss out even more and add some uh club soda and uh, some agave nectar to give it a little something else. Uh, almost making it like a skinny margarita kind of, I guess, sort of maybe, but uh yeah, I got to admit this one is not a keeper uh with the uh, rules as written
4: for it. Negative, negative. I mean, it's it's one of those things where if you put in a whiskey glass and do like a four parts kind of thing and a two part you're uh you're in for a you're in for a rough ride. You know, so uh, I'm any of those PPCs I'm sticking with just a shot. And that's as far as I'm going, because they are rough.
3: Well, the PPCs we made in my house weren't too bad.
4: Yeah, but yours were the light PPCs.
3: They they were
5: even farther than that. It was just vodka, blue curacao and uh, Sprite. So you're you're
1: saying the PPCs are the drink we should give the other podcasters at LVO before we face them is that oh, that's
3: true of which, this that's is a true. great this is a great plug for the challenge that we Absolutely. issued them we at the Valhalla podcast have challenged and the challenge has been accepted by wolfnet for drunk tech so <laughs> We will be designing lists for them. They will be designing lists for us. And if you lose a mech or a unit, you have to drink a drink. And yeah, this is probably we're probably gonna be hurting pretty bad on day two of lvo
4: Yeah, it's uh it's pretty rough, you know. Um I played Tommy from WolfNet at Battle Barn this year and uh we we're fighting out for last i think i talked about this already but you know i'll I'll cover it again because it was pretty epic you know we we said hey we're gonna do every objective that you take you get to take a shot so uh by the time we got to the 80 minute mark on the 350 game i think we'd killed probably at least a half a bottle between the two of us (laughs) it was pretty good it was pretty fantastic
1: we were feeling great uh as the only non-drinker i look forward to a show
4: say that oh you'll be having to do all the recording i know
3: because we won't be capable of doing it i'll bring my laptop we'll set up the (laughs) webcam to watch this this shit show and we will see how it goes it will be fantastic if they oh, get think...
0: their uh, YouTube channel up to a thousand subscribers in time, oh, they can live. Oh, live. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. they can live stream everything think... on their YouTube channel. Uh, if, if they so, if they hit that benchmark, it would be really awesome. If so, if that that's another off. thing.
3: If <laughs> anyone listening to us is not yet uh, subscribed to Wolfnet's uh, YouTube channel, please go do that so that they can uh, live stream at LVO. Yeah,
4: because we we'll one think... too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we also had to pull in some guys because I think it's just me and Dave against the Wolfnet guys. And I, I believe we're going to co-opt uh, maybe Chan Reller from Armor Up and uh, uh, I don't know who else we're going to get. Maybe, maybe Brute if he shows up.
1: Yeah,
4: I'm game. Because <laughs> I know between, between the Wolfnet guys, it's you know Andrew, Aaron, Matt.
5: Maybe well, I only Tommy,
3: challenged uh, Andrew and Aaron. And then I forget we roped Charles into it, and Somehow. I forget who the other person. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess Matt, you can't because you don't drink. Yeah, right. Uh, so we need to find a third because yeah, I, we're not Charles letting we're not letting get Charles out. get out of this
5: yeah somehow i think
1: we could find someone to do it there somehow somehow yeah sure we can we We can bring
5: josh (laughs) i bet josh can drink uh a
1: tanker Uh, the hollow leg (laughs) yeah i'm sure yeah uh okay so ppc is no bueno
5: no bueno no bueno
1: On to the what, would I, what I call the news from the neighborhood or kind of uh, consistent games or game nights that are going on. So up here in Fort Collins uh, on Wednesday nights at around 6 p.m in my own basement, my own little battletech basement here, we have uh, we have games going on. usually Alpha Strike, but we uh, like this week we played Destiny, the, the DFA Destiny system. We've had campaigns going on um if you're up here in the area or if you're visiting on a wednesday night uh be sure to stop by there's always treats and stuff and uh, I feed people and help them play BattleTech, so it's fun um also friday night fights down at hobbytown westminster starting around 5 30 to 6 there's usually uh a good number of people we've averaged some oh uh, we we probably average about uh eight to ten people every Friday but we've had up to like fifteen or sixteen um there's both alpha strike and classic battletech going on so I'll put a plug in right now for Ma- Mateo matteo he's uh he just started a chaos campaign with a couple of guys uh during uh they're playing clan invasion like thirty fifty two uh, they just started that this Friday, so that'll be going on. And then uh, I'll be starting up a new Alpha Strike campaign in here in two weeks or, or just under two weeks on every other Friday. And it's still open for anyone to join. I'm GMing it and it'll be another clan invasion, but it'll be fun. Lots of Lots of fun optional rules uh looks like we have a couple other places dave did you put those on as far as
3: i did okay so i recently took a trip out to uh grand junction and i found a game store out there called board fox games that has a wednesday night uh battle tech group so hopefully we will be able to get them linked up with the colorado battle tech group but if anyone who is listening to this is out there in grand junction on the western slope uh they have a battle battletech ne- battle tech night uh, also here in the Springs we have uh, Petrie's games, and every third Saturday at 2 p.m. is a, a BattleTech time slot, and that's what I'm tracking for the uh, for Colorado Springs area for
5: regular games.
1: Cool, and and then I just remembered that down in um, Pueblo on Friday nights, I believe they're playing down there. Uh, Alpha Strike is I think uh, the only thing they're playing, but yeah, Friday nights. I'm not sure at what time, uh, but Luke down there has has uh, started to build up the community down there playing at Game Night Games. Um, so it's a really nice new store, uh, new area that they're playing in. So a really cool place. If-
3: and they have a whole lot of stuff in stock.
1: Yeah, yeah. Always well stocked. Yeah, they do. So go play down there. Um, so that's it kind of as regular games, but as far as upcoming action, I'm going to flip it back over to Dave to talk about this upcoming event we've got next month. Go for it, Dave.
3: So in about four weeks time, we have the liberation of black earth event, which we've talked on and off about, uh, that is on November 19th, starting at 10 AM at inconceivable games in castle rock. That is going to be a hexless, hex-less classic BattleTech event. So it's using the FanPro WizKids miniatures rules for Battletech. Uh, Mike and I will actually be doing a, a mid-month release where we're going to go over the rules, go over the a little bit more in-depth of the game day testing we have done, and uh, be able to talk about really what's going to be happening at the event, what you'll need to bring as players, and uh, give you a really good deep dive overview of what's going to be happening. Uh, then in December, uh, down in Colorado Springs, we will be having a Wolfnet AS350 tournament uh, at Gamers Haven. I believe the start time should also be at 10 o'clock. And then for February, uh, Genghis Khan, we are currently still waiting on a confirmation of two different events that are going to be happening there. Uh, we do have indications that it's going to happen. But it is the weekend of February 26th. So, over the next month or two, we will hopefully be able to confirm all of that and give you the dates. And then, of course, we can't go without saying the January Las Vegas Open from January 26th to 29th. Uh, Most of us on the podcast are going to be going to the Las Vegas Open. And anybody who's out there that wants to join us please feel free i think there's still a very small amount of tickets that are left for the alpha strike tournament and then there's also the uh Battletech championship circuit which is a classic event that will be happening that weekend
1: yeah and that's that's kind of the uh the, the summary of the upcoming events so a lot of stuff happening nearby and
4: we got one more
1: we got one more coming up
4: what has been so we got uh, the Raid on Butte Hold ah, yes. coming up in Westminster on November 13th is what it's looking like right now. That's going to be a classic event uh, at the uh, Hobby Town Westminster.
1: Yep, and I think uh, it's Greg that's running that. He's a great guy, so um yep. should be fun as well if you can make it. Um so I think that's uh, that pretty much wraps us up. So we'll go we'll go out to uh, shout-outs here. So Alex is the guest. You get to start us off with whoever you'd like to shout-out. All right. Uh,
2: my first shout-out is just to all of you guys for allowing me to join you on this uh, podcast. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure. Uh, next two shout-outs go to uh, those I've been doing, my little uh, campaigns with uh, GM, with uh, one player each. Uh, first is to uh, now star Captain Jake. Uh, recently now of clan diamond shark uh we're doing a kind of a clan life cycle campaign uh if you kind of imagine like the jay falcon trilogy or sorry, of the jada uh, phoenix trilogy co- uh, combined with like the blood of krinsky trilogy we're kind of working through a lot of uh, that lore and also to uh, rick of the acer guards for the mini three session campaign that we ran in uh, if you kind of imagine uh, the Grey Death Trilogy book, Mercenary Star, it's uh, kind of one it's kind of one of those uh, campaigns. And last shout out uh, is to my wife, Vivian. Uh, so I was not a war gamer before we met and uh, got married. So just thanks to her for putting up with uh, all this stuff that's come along with uh, getting into Battletech and a couple other war games uh, so hard in the last uh, few years. And, and for pretending to be interested in it from time to time as well. Uh, <laughs> She'll she'll be joining me at LVO as well. We'll be there a few days early, but uh might see her around some on Saturday in the convention. Probably won't be there much more doing the tournament on Friday.
3: Does she have a ticket?
2: She has a ticket, yeah, for Saturday, but not for Friday.
3: No, I mean for the AS350 tournament.
2: No, no, she's she's not going to play. I did convince her to play a lot with me during the pandemic whenever it was a lot harder <laughs> to to go to a shop and play a game, but uh um yeah, she sticks more to Mechware Online, I think. <laughs> She's she prefers it that way, now they can play with y'all again.
0: Props to her all either way. Uh let's see, Mike. Alright, so for my shout out this month, I just wanna thank the the MUL team, the mass unitless team. Uh they received some heat for the you know, the site going down for a few days. It's back up. Um it's a resource we I think we all severely rely on. Um but uh, it's back up and running, uh, and I just I just appreciate all the work they put into that website. And it's really easy to spend hours on end on the MUL. But uh, now, shout outs to the team that runs the MUL and well played for the Dark Age release. <laughs> I that was perfect. Agreed, Mike.
3: Agreed. Uh, Dave, go for it. Oh, my shout out this week is to uh, Jack Josh and dusty for coming out to gamers Haven and helping me do the first round of testing for the November event. Uh, it, it was very, very helpful. So, uh, just a big thank you to all three of them and it's going to help make the event even better. So that's from me.
4: Awesome. You know, I, I haven't really been around people for the last month or so. So, uh, other than work people. So, uh, I guess I'll, I'll shout out a company here. I, uh, bought a hundred bases because i had a lot of infantry to base for some reason and uh, i bought a 100 bases from litco games um they have a bunch of like plastic uh clear bases you can get and uh, they're perfect size for the 350 measurements and stuff like that so uh litco games and uh they got them to me in about four days so it's fantastic so cool that's my shout out
1: Cool, and I'll, I'll finish the uh, shout-outs uh, just uh, shouting out to my uh, my regular Fort Collins crew that plays up here on Wednesday nights, uh, Ian, Lauren, and Josh M. Especially Josh M, he's uh, kind of our local printer, so he's printed out quite a bit of stuff for us. But uh, those, those three guys and myself, we've... Uh, a lot of battle tech over the last little while and it's been great, so just appreciate those guys and and even when I'm a bit of a Debbie Downer, because uh, all my mechs get shot off in like two turns they're still good, so uh, it's uh, yeah, great to have people to play with and, and uh, just thanks for everyone listening and uh, we'll send you to our little outro. See you later guys
0: Thanks for joining us today in the Valhalla Club Special thanks to our sponsor Ares Games and Miniatures. Ares is the premier online retailer for all your Battletech needs. You can contact us at at outlook.com. If you are in Colorado, please join your local community group on Facebook and Discord. If you are able to help support your local Colorado Battletech community, subscribe on Patreon to Colorado Battletech. This Patreon account is used to supply prize support for local events and assist in venue costs. Links for the Valhalla Club Discord, the Colorado Battletech Patreon, and Facebook group are in the show notes. Until next time, mech fans.